This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 614. And the quote of the day is, it's not the tool that creates the artwork, it's the magic of the person behind the tool. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 614, and I appreciate you checking out the episode. I appreciate you listening, and thank you to everyone who sent me birthday wishes and all that kind of stuff. I celebrated my birthday last week. I really do appreciate it. I'm officially old now because I'm 40, and uh, it feels good. I think it's going to be a good decade. So again, I appreciate everyone reaching out. I, I, it truly means a lot to me for sure. Uh, this episode I'm excited about. This is Carter McLean's second time being on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, go back and check that out. I had him on a few years ago. And this conversation is great. We get into actually a little bit of his backstory that we didn't talk about on the previous episode, but then really just get into how you have to be authentic and you have to make sure that you're doing the things that feel right for you and how he's developed his, not only his personal, his, uh, I'm sorry, his social media presence, but also just his personal sound, his personal style, all of those sorts of things. And the end of the day comes down to the easiest thing to be is yourself instead of trying to fake it and and be someone that you're not or or do something that you're not or as Carter said you know I'm not a monkey who can just be trained to do this thing or do that thing on social media because I'm a human and I have my own tastes and my own interests and things that are that are natural to me so self awareness is key for sure and with that being said uh, let's get into it with the one and only Mr Carter McLean. Carter, what's happening, my man? Nick, how are you? I'm well, man. I'm well. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. It's great to yeah. be back. Thank you. It's, it's good to have you back. There's only a there's only a handful of uh, of people who have been on twice, so uh, so we'll add you to the to the esteemed list. I'm honored. I don't know if that means anything, but I should, I'm gonna I'm gonna make T-shirts for me and you. I'll send <laughs> yeah. you. It's a drummer's <laughs> resource times two. Yeah. Yeah. Second time's it's, the best charm. It's so, it's so funny. Uh, I see, like, I have one of the, you know, like the late night uh, T-shirt. Oh, Seth Meyers? The, the Seth Meyers shirt. Yeah. And, but <laughs> I didn't play on it, but I went and hung with Eric and he gave me a shirt. But it's, so now it's like, it's like all these people, ha- it was like this rite of passage of all these people who now have this shirt and you see them <laughs> on social media with them on. And I refuse to post a picture of me on social media with that shirt because I'm like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm either pretending that I did play on it or that, uh, that, you know, or, you know, mistakenly people think that I did play on it. But I will say if you can get your hands on one of the Seth Meyers shirts, you should, because they're super comfortable. I was just going to say whether or not you want to wear it, you should wear it because it's a very soft, comfortable t-shirt. I wear it all the time for sure, but I just won't post, I won't post a picture of myself on on social media with it on because I don't want to confuse anyone. Or you should just get the Sharpie out and right below it say, didn't play on the show. Did not play on the show. You know, Got the t-shirt, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, did not play on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, man, there's been, there's been so much that has happened since you were last on until now and it would be ridiculous for me to have you like run down all those things. But even what I find super interesting about what you do is 
like you you're always working on something right like and now that we've gone dark or you've gone dark on uh, with lion king because of COVID, obviously how long did it take you to sort of switch gears and start working on everything i felt like we we hit COVID, and like a week later you're like oh by the way new records out uh here's this thing i launched my new website um so how how quickly did you switch gears once COVID hit uh, yeah i mean it kind of went like that honestly i mean so march 11th was my last show at the theater. And that was actually, the, little did I know, the last show that I was going to be playing. Um, mm-hmm. And I, there was people, I, I commute in about an hour on the train, and there was people wearing masks on the train for like about a week at that point. And I was kind of starting to think, you know what, maybe this is something I should maybe like take a week off from the show and just kind of hang at home just to be safe. Mm-hmm. That, literally that night going into the show is the first time I thought about that. And then... I played the show, went home, literally told my wife that night, you know, I think I'm going to take this week off and maybe we should just kind of hang at home and see if this can just kind of blow over a little bit. And then that night at like 2 a.m., I got an email saying the show's canceled for two weeks uh, and we can't wait to see you back in two weeks. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, Right. So once I saw how gnarly everything was getting everywhere, I was like, okay, this is going to be shut down for a long time. And I was thinking like four or five months. I didn't know it was mm-hmm. going to be over a year or probably two years by the time we go back, which is crazy. Right. Um, and so I was like, well, I have this great studio and I have a ton of time. People have always asked me to do like a solo kind of drum record. And I said, well, something to do. Let's jump in and do it. And so yeah. I just started recording and it was a good exercise just on setting up different kits, different tunings, getting different vibes out of different sounds. and. Um, you know, so that was really fun. The other kind of drag was in uh, February, so right before this all went down, I had like a two-and-a-half-week clinic tour booked with Ludwig, like in Malaysia, Indonesia, um, like Japan, all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so I had my I remember I had that. my fight, uh, the seat picked out because it was like 19-hour direct from like, you know, it was like, like, I think it was JFK straight to Indonesia or something. Yikes. And I was like, man, that is a long flight, but this is going to be really exciting. <laughs> I was really looking forward to it. And people were messaging me from over there, like, can't wait to meet you. So excited. And I was talking to Uli at Ludwig and I said, man, this, you know, there's a crazy outbreaks over there right now. I don't, I don't feel good about this. And, and I remember Aaron Spears was over there doing clinics at the time. And I was messaging him. I was like, is everything cool? He's like, yeah, it's a little crazy. Everybody's got masks on, and I'm not really hanging, but it's it's okay. And I was like, I'm out. I'm not doing it. Right, right. Um, so a lot, you know, it's like everybody knows that overnight, a switch was just turned off, basically. Yeah. For yeah. our industry, especially. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just looked at it as a time to like start to re- really practice again on different things, because you get so kind of in your daily routine of going in, doing your Broadway show, teaching... And it's kind of like it's a loop, you know? Right, um, right. And I've been there for 20 years, which is crazy. 20 years? Yeah, I started in 2001. Holy so. shit. I didn't realize it was that long. Well, I was a sub for half of it, but I took over right. in 20... Yeah, I took over 10 years ago. Wow. So, um, wow. I've been there since I was a kid, you know? So it's mm-hmm. it was really bizarre to just all of a sudden be like, yeah, that part of your life is not happening. Bye. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How do, I, I got to ask you this because I, I know that we touched on some of this on, on the other episode. Uh, and George Slepik and I were just like chatting back and forth and, and your name came up and we were both talking shit on you. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but I was like, I, I was like, I, I never asked him on the last episode, like how you ended up on the scene to begin with. Like, I never asked you that question. I was like, how, where did it, where, you know, like, where did it start from you? Like, how did you end up oh, on Broadway? Getting, you mean? Or Broadway or just in general? Like, I feel like social media was really good to you. Yeah. Um, I caught, I like, I put you and Nate Smith in that category who like really learned how to use social media the right way. Oh, that's nice. And, and got, got the recognition that you deserve. You know, I think that there's a lot of people on social media who get recognition that they don't deserve. <laughs> well, yeah, um, you get that too. But like, I remember seeing videos of Nate Smith in like 2004 on YouTube or 2005 or something like that. And I'm like, how does no one know who this dude yeah, is? He's, and that's the thing. He, and these kind of guys have always just been super ridiculous players. But before yeah. there was Instagram and YouTube, you just had to go see him at a gig, you know? And yeah. Yeah. I was lucky. I mean, the way... Long story short, I guess the question is kind of like, how did I ended up being like people knowing who I was as a drummer, I guess, in general? Um, yeah. So, like, you know, I went, you know, I got, I graduated high school in 1996. So there was like, you know, I barely had a, uh, what was it? You've got mail. Yeah. AOL dial. Yeah. I had like an e quote unquote email account and was like, I don't even know what this is about. Like, cause the right. internet was just like, oh, you can mess, you can email someone. And that mm -hmm. was super cool. And I'm like, eh, yeah. this is dumb. <laughs> like, cell phones were obviously not a thing. But I went right. to a NAM show. You you didn't have the bag phone? <laughs> no. I, I did have a bag no. phone. Oh, for wow. That's intense. Yeah. My first yeah. one was a, a Motorola StarTac, the flip phone. There you go. That, yeah. was, two, that was when yeah. I moved to New York. That was 2001. That was my first I phone. I like it. But long story, I mean, this is kind of, you know, this goes from the time I'm 16 up until... 22 or something but right i went to the um the nam show as a clinician for this company called zendrum and they were like a midi percussion controller company that the drummer for bela fleck and the fleck tones his name's roy wooten it's victor wooten's brother yeah. future yeah. man roy yeah. future man wooten um it's just weird i couldn't call him that i call him roy but um <laughs> i got really he invented that thing, though. Yeah, didn't he? and so this company kind of they they worked together to to develop something that like somebody could go out and buy, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is when like Alesis DM five, I think it was called, like the sample drum sample units were just kind of coming out, and the sounds were like eh, kind of okay. Yeah, but they saw what I was doing with the instrument, and I knew Roy when I was in high school. I met him at a show, and we hit it off, and he became kind of like a mentor to me when I was really young, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And that dude is a monster, monster musician. I mean, yeah. bananas. Um, yep. So the company flew me out. They said, hey, we really like what you're doing. Can you fly out to the NAMM show and do demos for us? And I'm in high school. I'm going like, I don't know what the NAMM show is, but yeah, that sounds really fun. So asked my mom. My mom said, "Okay, as long as you trust these people, have fun in L.A., which was pretty cool of her." Nice. And I went out there, did my little demos. Was meeting like Kenwood Denard, and like all these people were coming by. Will Calhoun, like you know, all these people were walking in front of me. That I was like, "Oh my god, that's so and so." Um, and a 
across from the booth was DW drums, and I had never actually played a DW drum set, and I felt weird being there playing this electronic instrument, but not a drum set, because that's what I really played. Mm -hmm. And I went over to DW's booth and just kind of snuck onto a little teeny tiny drum set, and I was trying to play really quietly to not get noticed, so I didn't want anybody to like yell at me for playing the $6,000 kit or whatever it was. <laughs> and this old guy in a Yankees jacket came over smoking a cigarette. And I, I look over. I already know who it is, but this is amazing. No, this is totally a real story. I have pictures at this moment. I believe it. And I'm like playing this kind of like, I was really into Idris Muhammad at the time. And I was kind of mm -hmm. trying to do this Idris kind of quiet, New Orleans y funky thing. And this dude's smoking, and I, I smell it, and I look over, and he's standing right next to me. And he's like, kid, you got the touch. You got the touch, kid. And I'm like, uh, okay. I just thought he was literally like a crazy old man, like walking around <laughs> smoking. And I was just playing. I didn't really, I was like, thanks, man. And then I look up and John Good, the president of DW, was standing right over me. And it was like kind of intimidating. And he goes, what's your name? And I was like, uh-oh. And I kind of just like uh -oh. put the sticks down and bolted. It was kind of like a cartoon <laughs> where it was just like smoke and then I was gone. And I didn't know who either of those people were. Right. And then the next day, since I was right across from DW, John saw me and he like motioned. He's like, come over here. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm in I'm in deep trouble. He's like, give me Basically, your badge. I was like, this dude's going to throw me out for doing something wrong. And he goes, hey, what's your name? And I was like, Carter. And he goes, what's your last name? I was like, McLean. And he goes, uh, I want to talk to you about an endorsement. And I was like, what? So he brought me back to this room with this guy, John Vaness. Um, I forget. I, I think Scott Donnell was there already there's a lot of the people mm -hmm. that were still there and he sat down and said hey man do you know who that guy was talking to you yesterday i said no and they said oh it was freddie gruber he's like one of the best drum educators and it was buddy rich's roommate and i was like oh that's pretty dope and <laughs> still a crazy old man crazy but... and oh i forgot to say this <laughs> this was hysterical you know there's like the the sound police that walk around and kind of so yeah. there's this poor girl who's probably like you know, 19-year-old girl trying to make some bread on the weekend or whatever. And she walks up to him while he's smoking. And she goes, uh, she's like, sir, you can't be smoking in here. You can't smoke anywhere in this building. And he goes, I can do whatever I want. I'm old. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this dude is so hardcore. <laughs> um, so it was just bizarre. I so I got, in th I got into, like, endorsements in a very bizarre way. Um and then I like started working with Sabian and Terry Bozio and I became kind of close for a little bit when I was younger and he kind of took me under his wing for a little while. I'd go to clinics because we were quote unquote both DW artists, even though I felt like mm -hmm. totally an imposter. I was a kid. Um, right. And then through that, I started to meet different people. Oh, hey, come and do my drum camp. But, like I, I did a drum camp with Roy Wooten where it was like me as like the young guy and another guy, Dorico Watson, were like the young guys. Mm -hmm. And then it was... Uh, He's oh, a monster dude. player. Yeah. Too. I mean, that was, that was the first time I saw other guys in my age group where I was like, oh, shit, I need to go really practice now. <laughs> you know, because when you're around just guys you go to high school with, you're like... Oh, I'm I'm crushing this, and until you right. see someone yep. else that's like ten ten years way better than you are, except you're the same <laughs> age. Um, yep. But you know that's that's how it started, and then I went to college for a year, and I hated it, and dropped out, and stayed out there. I was I was at CU Boulder in Colorado because 
I loved skiing. <laughs> I was skiing 100 days a year, which was incredible. That's awesome. And then I'd play gigs at night at the, at the bars. So I'd ski yeah. my ass off all day and literally like ski down to the lodge, change into some clothes, shower, and then go up and do a gig for three hours. You know? Not a you bad can way do to that live. when you're 19 and 20. But I, I'm not yeah. doing – I've tried to do that in the past. In the past, like, five years with my brother, we'll go out to Big Sky and do some fun gigs just for fun. And then we'll ski all day. And it's like I am crushed by the second set. I'm yeah. just like, please get me a bed. I'm going to sleep. Yep. yep. Um, but, yeah, that's <laughs> – We don't recover oh, like yeah, we man, used to. It's a different ballgame. But uh, so that's kind of how I got into the, you know, music industry as far as, like, the business side of things, which is weird. Um. And then the Broadway thing, that led through DW as a contact. They said, hey, you should talk to the guy who plays at Lion King. You know, he'd be a good contact just if you had questions about New York City or anything. And I was like, yeah, cool. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And that's how it all happened. Who was that? Tommy was playing yeah. then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> debating whether I want to go down that road or that's, not. I would advise um, against that. Yeah. I was thinking that too. <laughs> uh, so... Um, so talk to me, talk to me about embracing social media the way that you did and how, how, and the reason why I'm asking this, and I think that I've been very vocal about social media and how most of it is bullshit. And most of the stuff that you see on social media is useless, like in the drum world. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've been very vocal about that, but I also think that it is an amazing tool. If you use it correctly, showcase the things that you're trying to get gigs for, you're trying to get hired for, you're trying to be known for. And I think that you did a really good job at that. Like I said, I think Nate Smith did a really good job at that. Uh, there's other people who have too. Um, like I talk to people and they're like, oh, I want to get like singer songwriter gigs. And I'm like, every video of you on Instagram is you playing, like chopping over some song. No one's ever going to hire you. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, but, but you showcase the things that, that, you know, one, you would like to get hired for, but like what you would like to get known for and things like that. And your stuff is not all about just like chops and showing off. Um, but like, talk, talk to me a little bit about like just your idea behind embracing technology and your thoughts on how you use it and the way that you think other people could use it. Too. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I, I totally agree. It's like the classic double-edged sword. It's it, you can promote yourself and look like a clown and not know it. And you can promote yourself and people somehow resonate with it. It's, there's, it's a very uh, fine line, I feel like, sometimes with, with different players. Right. Um, and it's hard for me, man, to be honest. Like, I, I'll scroll through, like, whatever that feed is where they just randomly say, you may like these bunch of videos. Or, mm -hmm. And honestly, it's hard to stomach most, mostly everything. There's very few where I look at them and go, oh, this guy or girl has some really cool approach or has their own thing or isn't just playing 30-second note triplets around the drums, you know? Right. Um, but for me, the bottom line of everything, whether it's social media or how you present yourself at a clinic or if an artist hires you to do a song, it's just being honest, you know what I mean? Because then people resonate with that because they can tell, you know? As soon as, as, soon right. as you start pulling out the slick lines and, you know, I have five-star ratings on this and that and, you know, just tooting your own horn so much. It's like, well, man, if you're so great, I, you shouldn't have to do that. You know, I should just hear it in right. your plane. Um, and so I try to just let the plane speak. And if people dig it, cool. And if they don't, you can just unfollow and move on. It's like, it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but the way I approach it is, I mean, my Instagram account when I initially started it was like, you know, landscape photography and like whiskey reviews, basically. Like, I wasn't even <laughs> playing drums just because I was into photography and, and that kind of stuff. And I didn't have a space to really play drums in. So I was just doing right. doing it for fun. You were still living yeah, in the city? I think like the first year I was on Instagram, I was in my apartment in New York still. And I had no, mm -hmm. I, I didn't practice in, in the city unless I was on a gig for like 10 years because I didn't have a space, you know? Right. Um, so right. when I moved out to my house and I could actually set up drums and just play whenever I wanted, I was like, man, I feel like I'm back in high school. This is incredible. Like I could just wake up and shed all day. Um, and a lot of stuff started kind of clicking then because I was revisiting, like just sitting down with yourself and playing and really focusing on what you wanted. So I posted, I think, like a video of me playing some groove or something. And then all of a sudden I went from, you know, 400 followers to like 4,000, like very quickly. And I was like, wow, well, I guess people want the drum thing. That's cool. Like I literally didn't even put it together. I was like, well, I guess I'll just do some more drum stuff. And it was fun. It was like a little like diary or a journal keeping track of what I was into or sounds I was working on. And then you could go back and kind of look at it as like a little catalog and say, oh, that was a cool sound. Right. Oh, that was that drum or that cymbal. Um, and then I started doing like little, you know, I'd say, hey, I'm working on this sticking or this idea. Check it out. Like little tips or something. Not, not for anyone other than really myself to remember them. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, like a lot of people, it went kind of very quickly went from like, okay, now I have 10,000. Okay, now I have 20,000. Now it's 50,000, you know? And it's like, it just kept building. And to me, it's just being honest. Whatever you're going to play, you know, people, people ask me, hey, you should cover this song or check out this or why don't you play a speed metal tune? And it's just like, dude, I'm not a monkey, okay? Like, I'm going to play whatever I want to play, and if you dig it, that's cool, but it's not like a – I'm not a request service for your entertainment, right. you know? Right. Or how come you don't – it's like, how come you don't focus on, you know, or like, yeah, how come you don't post more videos of this? And you're like, because I don't play Yeah, that. I mean, that's the thing. People so, are like, you know, I never see you, like, set up a double pedal. Why don't you set up more drums? And it's like – well, dude, you wouldn't ask Elvin Jones to set up a double pedal or like somebody that's just not, it's not their thing, you know? Right. It's also like going to a, a Pearl Jam concert and be like, how come you guys don't play more right. sublime? And they're like, because like, that's not what we do. Exactly. What do you, oh, you know? side note, I wasn't also just comparing myself to Elvin Jones. That was, I wanted to make sure that that's known. I'm just saying, like, that's a. We're gonna we're gonna pull that out, and I'm, oh, it's gonna God. be like Carter uh, Carter Bo. I'm just calling you Carter <laughs> Beaufort. So, uh, Carter McLean can you know can equates himself to Elvin. Jones. Everyone, please unfollow him immediately. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what I mean. It's like you know somebody yeah. that's in a totally different genre. It's like that's and some days I do set up a big kit and play a bunch of stuff like for fun. You know, just right. but that's because I want to. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is, a, I don't know, social media can also, most people say this if they're like, you know, constantly posting stuff, it can feel a little bit like a, a hamster on the wheel. You know what I mean? Like you're just running and right. like, oh, I'll post another. And I joke sometimes I'll post another picture of a drum set. I'll be like switching it up today. New picture right. of a drum set, you know, right. and, but people don't get sick of it for some reason. Because it's authentic. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it is. Like, you know, I just got uh, these two old 1961 uh, Duco Pioneer snares. I got a red and gold one, and then literally just now a green and gold one showed up. Um, well, it didn't just show up. I bought it on Reverb. But, <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh, 
I was like, you just randomly get drums yeah, sent get to your house. Drums, they just show up. The the vintage drum fairy yeah. stops by. Um, yeah, that's like my wife when like things just show up at the house. I don't know where yeah, these came it's from. A gift, like, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'll take pictures of. The, I, I take pictures of stuff that I'm interested in, or something that I really am using a lot, or. You know, I'm like literally after I get off this interview, I'm I'm going to do a video uh, recording of all of my drum sets um, because mm-hmm. I just switched to Evans drum heads. I, I used to be a Remo artist. Now I'm officially an Evans guy. And oh, nice. I'm honestly like blown away at how great all the drums sound like I was to be totally transparent. I was not a big Evans fan because the only heads I had ever played were like on some random person's kit and they were like two ply thick heads. And I was always mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not into this sound. But it would be the same thing, like, if I was playing a two-ply head from anybody. It just wouldn't sound good for me. For me. Right. Um, right. And then I said, yeah, let me check out, you know, once my stick was re- or coming out, they said, you know, if you ever want to check out some of the heads, we'd love to send you some stuff just to try out. And I was like, eh, okay, cool, I'll try out some stuff. And I looked on their site, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know they had these orchestral heads that I could use on kit. I tried out these calf tones, all these different things, and I was pretty blown away, honestly. I did a hardcore A to B, my old heads versus the new ones, and I was like, all right, I'm out, and I switched. Um, hmm. So that's what this video I'm going to do in a minute is. It's all my kits with all new heads, and I'm going to talk about why I have these heads on this kit for what sound and blah, blah, blah. Um, cool. You, The thing that, that I always love about the the stuff that you put out is you i mean even based based on the conversation that we had on the last episode where you're talking about okay i i studied the the book for this camera on the way to europe and like learned really learned how to use it you're a guy who goes really deep to learn the and uh, like i think of it as like you're a tinkerer but that kind of sounds like you're putzing around and you don't know what you're doing but i feel like you're the guy that like you really dig into sounds, you really dig into uh, all of your equipment, really trying to figure out how to get the best sound out of everything. And I think for someone like me, who is that, that to me is like super overwhelming to where like me going and doing like a hardcore AB test between heads and, and different drums and all that kind of stuff to me is like, it's, it's, it's overwhelming <laughs> to be, to be honest. So where do you recommend people start on that path of, of, really dialing in whether it be their sound or understanding new equipment or because i think you do it so well oh, thanks and i think there's a lot of other people who wish they could but are just overwhelmed by by the concept of it myself included yeah, well that's a good question and thank you um i guess for me it's just like a it's it's silly but it's like a passion like it's i feel like it's something you never stop exploring kind of like music mm-hmm. you're just you don't wake up one day and say, okay, check, I can do music now. I'm going to move on. It's like, it just doesn't, never ends. And it's the same right. way for sound. I mean, especially for drums, because you can change drum heads. You can get different shell configurations, different cymbals, different sticks. I mean, it's like, you know, I guess it's the same for guitars and, and anything else. But for me, the the biggest thing, because I get this a lot in, from students, and it's, you have to have a sound in your head first, you know what I mean? Otherwise, you're just guessing. Like if you don't have a destination, you're not you don't know where to go because you're just floating right. around in the ocean. But if you have a compass and a map and you're like I want to go this way to this island, you know what to do. Whereas opposed to just floating around in the ocean looking around and everything looks the same, you don't know what to do and then you just say, "Oh, I'll just float, I guess." You know. Right. Um 
let the current take you wherever it, it's going to take you, I guess. Which is how a lot of people mm-hmm. just end up with the way they sound. They're just like, well, it's just kind of happened this way. Whether they right. like, dig it or not, I guess. Um, yep. So getting your drums, the heads, what drums you like, you know, vintage stuff, modern stuff, you know, sharp bearing edges, all of that stuff. I mean, that's that's a four-week conversation in itself. But um, <laughs> once you get your kit, like, in your room, wherever that is to sound like you like it, then it's, okay, now you un- unravel the uh, the ball of yarn that is audio recording. And, like, what microphone do you use? What do you plug it into? Do you drop money on a nice preamp? Do you drop money on a really good analog EQ? Or do you just do everything in the box with, like, two SM57s, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of that's budget related, like how much are you willing to drop and how much are you willing to learn about these things? Um, And then obviously over all of that is, can you play, right? Like, how do you sound? Like, you know, you could have all of my stuff. I've done this when I used to be able to teach. Hopefully we can do that again soon at my studio. I'd have students come in. They'd be playing on my kit, on that symbol that they love recording. I'd play it back for them. And they're like, yeah, man, it kind of just sounds like me. And I'm like, yeah, guess what? You can't get away from that. So make you the best you you can do. And stop worrying so much about, oh, if I have that symbol or whatever, then I'll sound just like him. I mean, that's just, it doesn't happen. And people still think that, you know? Yeah, people still think that they either... They either... I I remember talking to Chase Jarvis about this, who who you and I talked about Oh, Chase is great. Uh, He's amazing. But he's always like, you don't... And I've been guilty of this too. Like I'm going to get a new camera or I'm going to get a new this, or I'm going to do that. It's like, just start with what you have. And if you, if you're not creating with the tools that you have now, you going out and buying a new symbol or something is not going to make you create all of a sudden. And two, if I I can go buy your, the Carter McLean set, I can buy everything, your sticks, your heads, your drums, your, you know, tune, get them tuned the same way, get the symbols that you play. I'm still not going to sound like you period. Right. So, you're right. Yeah, for better or for worse, you know, some people right. might not want to sound. <laughs> Thank God, I do not want to sound like that guy. Um, but I mean, there are things like there's certain like I'm not going to play a bunch of super heavy bright cymbals because that's you know not my thing. So yeah, gear does help. But at the end of the day, man, you got to be able to sit behind anybody's kit. Like you put Gad or Bill Stewart or Keltner behind anybody's drums, mm-hmm. they're going to sound like them. You know, and it's like that's it's going to sound like that. The tones may not sound like them because they're using different gear, but it's still going to feel like them. Yeah. And they'll figure out a way to get their thing out of it, you know, which right. might even be more interesting. You know, mm-hmm. like I'd love to hear what Bill Stewart sounds like on like a huge, you know, Lars kind of drum kit or something. That would be bizarre. Right. And, you know, kind of enlightening. But um Yeah, so the gear does have something to do with it, but at the end of the day, it's your hands and your ears, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Do you feel like you stick in a particular area of of music that you're you're listening to all the time to develop your ears, or is it like just a wide swath of different music? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's like a typical general zone, but... I mean, I really listen. I mean, I hate when people say this. I listen to everything. It's like, right. okay. And then <laughs> I do that a lot when I'm teaching. I'm like, name me five records you really dig in the last couple of weeks. And they're like, oh, I listen to everything. And I'm like, cool, just name me five then. And then mm-hmm. it's like radio silence. Right, right. And I'm like, just five. And they're who's like. Your favorite? It's like, who's your favorite Zydeco band? They're right, like, yeah, exactly. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But like, you know, my general wheelhouse will be like soul jazz, kind of like, you know, funkadelic kind of groove stuff or the meters. Um, and then, you know, Miles Davis quintet. So like a lot of jazz, a lot of groove stuff. Um, I just started listening to some more classical music because I want to, my next record is going to be a classical record that I'm going to write all on keyboard with no, with no drums. So I'm really excited to start that. Um, but you know, like when I'm walking around the house cooking or hanging out with my wife, like I'll listen to like live Bob Marley records or steel pulse or burning spear or like, um, the Teskey brothers is this great new band from Australia, which I mean, they're not that new, but they're new to me and I love them. They're like incredible. The Teskey brothers. I never heard of them. Yeah. I hadn't either. I was on like an Instagram live thing and somebody was like, Oh man, you should check out this band uh, from Australia. Cause I was complaining about, uh, let me just per- per- make sure. Uh, I am pronouncing this correctly. Yeah. Teskey T E S K E Y brothers. Yep. Um, the singer is incredible. Uh, the drummer and I have become kind of buddies on Instagram. We'll chit chat a bunch. We have a similar, uh, we like similar sounding things. Basically, mm-hmm. we have a love for like ribbon microphones and like old Ludwig drums and blah 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 blah. Um, so it's nice when you hear a new band where you're like, oh, this is actually really dope because typically the stuff I listen to is like Donny Hathaway live, which is right. obviously not a new record. You know? Yeah. Or like the new Bruno Mars, uh, Anderson Pock thing I thought was actually pretty dope. Yeah, um, me too. Just because... You know, man, you know who I, I started listening to and I'd never even heard of him before and I'm like embarrassed to say this? Do you know who Paul Pina is? Yeah. I've never heard, had never heard of him before in my life and my buddy was like, here, check this out. And it was, it, he sent me Jet Airliner and I was like, I don't like this song. He's like, no, this is the original. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, I never even knew it was a cover. <laughs> and then just like went down that whole road and it's like, oh, that's yeah, grooves. Uh, the whole, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just hijacked your, uh, no, you were saying, I mean, sorry. that's great stuff. Like Ray Charles, all, like that, you know, just, I sound like the old fart, but it's like that older music, man, before technology kind of came and clobbered everything mm-hmm. just has so much more to me, life and energy in it. And I agree. I feel like the old guy, like, oh, you kids, you know, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm going to be 43 in a, in a month. And I, I do. I feel like I listened to like the Grammy Awards that just happened. And I was like, I cannot relate to almost any of this. Right. You but know? the interesting thing, and I think you and I are on the same page with this. Most of the stuff that I listen to, it's not like I'm listening to stuff that I grew up with. Most right. of the stuff I'm listening to is like from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Not from, you know, I mean, I listen to some stuff from, you know, from the from like the late 80s and early 90s, you know. But like it's mostly even before that. And the thing that I never understood is when you talk to someone's like, okay, who's your favorite, your three favorite drummers? And they're like, I don't know, Steve Gadd, Steve Jordan, and I don't know, Earl Palmer. And I'm like, okay, who do you listen to? And they're like, I listen to Drake. I listen to, <laughs> you know, Migos. And, and I'm like, I was like, that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I, I do that you know, with students, I'm like, what are you listening to? And they name these bands and I'm like, okay, never heard of any of these guys. Let's check them out. And I'll sit and listen to it with them. And I'm like, you know, none of this is actual drums, right? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, but it's kind of dope. And I'm like, is it, is it kind of dope? I mean, I don't know. It's like, or if it is, then you should learn how to do that thing. Yeah. Maybe just be a producer because none of these people are actually playing instruments probably. 
Right. You know, maybe a few people, maybe I'm wrong and somebody's going to say, oh, no, 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 this guy plays drums, keys. Okay, well, good for them. But I rarely ever see these pop artists actually play anything, you know. Right. Or if they do, it's like, oh, they have an acoustic guitar on and it's not even plugged in. It's like, all right, give me a break, you know. And I, I think it's important to note, too, that, like, I'm not judging what you're into. But if you're... Oh, I am. You, I judge everybody by do what you? <laughs> no, I'm just, I mean, it does tell you a lot, though, about where their kind of head is at, you know? I think that... Because I think that there's always that disconnect of, like, I listen to Drake, but I want to sound like Steve Gadd. And I'm like, well, why? Because you don't listen to the this, this stuff that... Like, do you listen to Steely Dan? No. I, I hate him. But it's like, well, then why... Then why, like, then why do you want to sound like Steve? Yeah, why don't you go try to sound like a producer that plays, you know, that programs music for Drake? Yeah, go work with like Dr. Dre. You know, stop. Yeah, and some of that might be they're like, that's the cool answer that everybody says is so. Maybe I'll just use those names. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it comes down to that. I've caught students before where I'm like, you know, this artist, right? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, cool. So let's, you know, tell me, tell me what tracks you like. Like one dude, I was like, "So you like Miles Quintet, right?" He goes, "Oh yeah, great piano player." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know what I mean? And they kind of brush yeah. it off, like, "Yeah, man, I've kind of got my act together." And I'm like, "Wow, okay, like we yeah. have a lot more work than I thought." What was I? I think Aaron Sterling did a did something on Instagram about that when he was talking about bands, how uh, like someone will bring up a band that like everyone knows, but he's not really familiar with. And he used to be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, now I'm just going to be honest and be like, yeah, I don't really know much about that. <laughs> well, you trust me, you don't want to be the one caught where it's like, I'm sorry, did you just say Miles Davis was a piano player? Right. Like then everything you've said previously is just erased basically. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's in, Instagram and YouTube and all these platforms are like, to me, it's 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 a nice way to discover new people, but it's it's also very interesting just to see what the trends are and and realize like you know what I'm not, I guess I'm not into what the popular thing is right now, and that's okay. But knowing what's popular is, I think, as important. You know, you just kind of it doesn't have to be your thing, but you need to know what people are listening to. You know, right? Um, yep. And that's the Grammys this year was a pretty large flashlight on that. I watched that and said, are you kidding me? You know? Yeah. But it is what it is. I'm old, I guess. I don't know. I mean, maybe. That's one, you know, maybe we're just getting older. Sure. And I'm sort of, to me, I'm like, if it's good, it's good. Like, so if there's a new, like the, the, um, like Run the Jewels is a new hip hop record that came out. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's like one of the best hip hop records I've heard in a really long time. Oh, and I'll have to check that out. And it's brand new. Do you know he he kind of and I forget this is ridiculous that I even have to say this because I don't remember which event it was where a cop killed an African American, but uh, oh and they ha- but but his name is Killer Mike and he was all over like CNN and all that kind of stuff. But he's in Run the Jewels too. Oh wow, yeah. And uh, I'm saying the guy he one after it happened, he was he was very he was on CNN and everything and was like very vocal about what was going on and was like helping community leaders come together and things like that. Um, and I thought he was like a I thought he was a pastor, or a minister, like sort of just the way that he was talking. And then oh. I found out I was like, oh, he's in this hip hop group called Run the Jewels. And then uh, got they came out with a new record and it's great. So, I mean, it's a really good record. So I'm like. I'm not, a, I'm rambling here, but I'm not opposed to new music. It's just, I just want it to be good. 
Oh yeah, that's it, man. I mean, the the proof's in the pudding. And the more I, you know, people are always like, "Hey, check out my band. Check this out. Check this out." And then they they go on this like long kind of marketing scheme for me. Like, oh, we're kind of like this, but we're kind. I'm like, stop. Just let me hit play and let me. I, I'm in a big boy. I can listen to the music and figure out what it is. You right. know, right? Um, I don't. If like Keith Jarrett said in an interview once, he's like, "Let me." He goes, "The music will tell me what's up. I don't need you to tell me." what it is or anything else. Like, just let me hear the music. Let me hear you play. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know? And it's, it's truth, you know? Yeah. And some, some kids in the younger kind of generation, they don't want to hear the truth. They, they want to, you know, it's that kind of like everybody gets a trophy and it's, from what I've seen, it's not helping out a lot of kids. You know? It's not, it's, it's not. not, it's not helping anybody. Everybody feels like, you know, I've taught a lot of people in like the sub 30 year old and under category and they're all like yeah man i've got my shit together i'm ready to roll and i'm like okay cool let me hear your single stroke roll and it's like garbage i'm like you are not ready to roll anywhere you know what i mean it's <laughs> it's like if you can't literally that, and figuratively <laughs> yeah there's no rolling happening it sounds like blah 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 it's just and i don't know i feel like people are a little more confident that they should be if right that makes sense no i i agree um, I agree. And that's why I honestly, that's why I moved to New York. I was like kind of that kid. I was never like, oh, I've got it together. I'm ready to party. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I feel like I'm pretty good for where I'm living. Let's change my environment where the real people live and see if I get chewed up and spit out or if I can stay. Right. And that's what happened. And it was an amazing first, the first time I ever sat in somewhere, it was Jeff Tain Watts's gig. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I, I very quickly realized that I will never play jazz ever again in New York City. <laughs> but, you know, and they like threw me up there with another piano player who sat in at the same time. His uh, name was Eric Lewis. And I didn't know who he was because it was just like, oh, go up and sit in, man. And I was like, no, no way am I going to sit in. That's mm-hmm. Tane. There's no way. Right. And this dude who was friends with Tane pushed me up on stage. And then they had said, oh, yeah, we're going to have our friend Eric come up and sit in. They called some totally random tune that was like kind of up, which I was fine with the tempo, but the tune was bizarre form. So I got completely thrashed. And afterwards, I went up to the piano player and said, man, who do you like? You sound incredible. Who do you play with? And he goes, I play with Elvin. And then he just walked (laughs) off stage. I was like, oh, okay." You're You're like, I'm going to I'll be exiting. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to now pay for my eight dollar. Uh, soda and go home (laughs) but that's to me that's i would much rather have that than me walk off stage and everybody tell me how great i sounded and how amazing i am yeah and and that's the thing it's like you know even with friends of mine that are great players like i still give everybody shit it's it's too fun yeah you know and it also just checks everybody out it's like oh you're on the cover of this magazine oh mr fancy pants cool yeah you know it's like you got to kind of check everybody like you're family a little bit mm-hmm. so nobody gets too inflated because at yeah. the end of the day man everybody's working on stuff everybody's insecure about stuff yeah and it's just like look be honest about it try to do your best and that's all you can really do just mm-hmm. be truthful and to me the way i play the instrument is very honest like i'm not trying to impress people i'm just literally trying to create some sort of a nice environment sonically right that's it it's pretty simple why do you think it's so hard to get to that point, though? I think people, I think the big, the first big wall you hit is technique. 
because everybody's like, well, if I could have your technique, I could play whatever I want. And I'm like, not so fast. Like, if I downloaded, Vin, let's say, Vinny Caliuta's technique, somebody with just incredible hands, mm -hmm. right? And just incredible facility and time and, you know, the whole thing. If I downloaded his skill set into your body, but not his musicality, you would sound terrible. Because right. you have, it would be like putting a 16-year-old a, a behind this, the wheel of like a McLaren or something. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to go well. Right, right. Um, and so... People need to get over the fact that, like, oh, if I had this technique, I could play like that. If you really look at most of the stuff I play, it's not crazy technique. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm using technique to play, but it's not some incredible, fast, bizarre thing. It's to me it comes down to feel and phrasing. Yeah, you know, and that and dynamics. Really, that's the biggest thing that most people leave out all the time. It's yep. like dynamics, dynamics, dynamics. Dynamics. I'm playing as loud as I can. I, exactly, exactly. Man, I can't go any harder than this. It's like, all right, thanks. Thanks. Next. That's how that audition goes. Yeah. The Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series snares are amazing, and so are the artist drums. Designed by Russ Miller, the Versatus, Maple Mahogany Hybrid Shell offers a naturally pre-processed sound with just the right amount of low-end, articulation, and punch. A single SAS ring on the batter side only, a unique bearing edge combination, and the ideal depth size proportion all contribute to the perfect balance of strength, functionality, feel, and beauty for all playing situations. This drum is available in both a 14 by 6.5 and a 14 by 4 and 5 eighths. To learn more about the Versatus and the rest of the entire Design Lab series, check out mapexdrums.com. Get ready for the new Promark. Promark is reintroducing itself with two new performance pillars. Promark, the home of their rear-weighted, performance-driven rebound and finesse lines, and Promark Classic. A celebration of the timeless feel, look, and straight-ahead performance of Promark's golden era. It doesn't matter which pillar you choose because every pair of Promark sticks is perfected with ProMatch. Only ProMatch ensures unrivaled consistency of weight and pitch from stick to stick and pair to pair. Also, Promark shows its commitment to the environment with Play, Plant, Preserve. Promark is planting trees with every pair of sticks sold. They've already planted approximately 600,000 trees back to the Tennessee soil, and they're not stopping there. When you play Promark, you're playing the only drumstick out there made from sustainably sourced and replanted wood in keeping with their vision for a net neutral future. For more information, visit Promark.com. One of the things that I think, uh, particularly about your playing, uh, that I love the most is your phrasing. I also think it's the hardest thing to work on, or hardest thing to to wrap your brain around. What what are your what's your? Because I think for feel and touch, like you can sort of maybe figure that out on your own. But phrasing, I think, is sort of like this. It's almost like feel to me, where it's it's hard to to wrap your brain around, or it's kind of like this this ambiguous thing that you're trying to to grab what's your advice for working on phrasing yeah those are the hard ones where it's like you know you can say play me a paradiddle and then you can like check off a box yes you can play a paradiddle nice job you know what i mean but 
some of those other ones that are a little harder to pin down, like phrasing and, and feel, which I get at. I mean, I've been trying to teach this stuff for years and it's very hard. I have exercises that can get your ears and your hands maybe to open up in a different way. So that helps. But then it's still just an exercise. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, when you can play through my book or all these exercises I teach people, then it's just you sitting behind the drum saying, cool, what do you want to talk about? You know, on the instrument, like, you know, not actually talk about, but play. Right, like, right. What do you want to, how do you want to express yourself on this instrument? And people are so used to just checking off boxes and doing books and doing examples that they don't know what to think. Um, so I typically tell people like this last group of students I was teaching, um, I've been doing this thing for the last four months where it's 15 students and, and I take all of them through six lessons and each one of them gets a private lesson, one hour face to face with me on, on zoom and everyone's working on the same stuff, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, and the last one was like, okay, I want you to play a quote unquote drum solo, but I don't want, you know, flamethrowers going off and sticks twirling. I want you to just play the instrument and look at it like a, like a miniature orchestra. Don't look at it as like a groove tool, right? Yep. And that alone will open your brain up because we're so programmed to play with a click and play a beat and play this lick and play that lick and it's all on the grid and da-da-da-da. Very few people ever sit behind the drum set with like a mallet in one hand and a brush in another hand and see what sounds they can come up with, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of stuff helps a lot with phrasing because you're thinking outside of your dugga 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 bat do dugga dugga crash. Um, and people get stuck in that or get, they literally get stuck in lick of the week on somebody's channel or whatever. Yeah. And that to me is just copy and paste. It's like, well, good for you. You can copy and paste things, but that's doesn't matter when you're on a gig with somebody. Yep. yep. You got to interact with them at a split second. So phrasing and stuff. trying to like fit that in just like, Oh, I'm going to put this thing in here that it's like, if I learned a new word and during this conversation, I just say the word out of context and don't even use it correctly. Yeah. Mellifluous. Exactly. I just, I just, uh, mellifluous. Uh, okay. So back to draw. It's like, it has <laughs> nothing to do with anything. It's like, yeah. Okay, cool. Nice word stupid it's like stupid place to put it like what are you doing <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing i look at a lot of people that play drums and they just you can tell they're just playing through a rolodex of exercises yeah but like if you see gad or somebody sit down and just play right there's no agenda there's no tune shit is like grooving like crazy it could be super slow it could be really quiet but there is like a super deep intent behind everything he's doing Right. And that's everybody that I like. There's like a very specific, purposeful thing behind what they're doing. There isn't like fluff or licks just to have licks. If they do them, they actually hear them in that moment, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, it's very difficult to explain phrasing, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's it's easier to do when I can sit with somebody in front of a kit and say, okay, play. And then I can say, all right, cool. Well, you are constantly hitting the crash on one because you're terrified of that you're going to miss it. So you're just, you can't get away from that. And then there's just like a list of things that I hear everybody do. And I'm like, that's cool, but you got to go past that. You got to let go and be comfortable playing over the bar line or playing a, a, a gigantic rest for a bar as your drum fill. Right. You know, just yep. come at it from a little different angle because you can already do that other stuff probably, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and people get stuck in kind of the basic zone and 
then they just don't know why they're not getting better. It's because they're just in the same room and there's like all these doors you could open, but they just choose not to. Yeah. Or don't know how to, or yeah, you know. and that's why you call me. I'll I'll, I'll open those doors for everybody. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, Sign kidding. up for his website. Well, or... yeah. I mean, look. It's like again. I don't. When I teach people, I'm like, look. I can just tell you what helped me. I can try to come up with a game plan for you, or you know, sometimes it's as easy as like, check out this record, listen to this, let's talk about it next time we meet. And some people are like, that changed the way I approach playing. You know, because they've just right. never heard that style of playing or I can break down. Well, this is what they're doing. You know, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And there's so many good teachers right now. I mean, everybody that's a drummer is basically like online lessons all of a sudden. Yeah. You know? Yep. yep. So there's plenty. If I'm not the kind of player you like, trust me, there's a million people that will be the kind of player that you want to study with that have their own website and all their own stuff going on. Yeah. Just find the people that are. Just find a good teacher, not a bad. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Or as I like to say, find a find a real teacher, not a fake yeah, teacher. Yeah, find someone that actually can walk the walk, you know, as opposed right. to exactly just make stuff up and hope hope you don't call them out on it. Right, right. Um, so there, I want to switch gears a little bit because we when we first started this conversation, we were talking about when COVID hit and you were working on all these things. So I th- did did your you launched the the website, but then you revamped the website, right? Well, yeah. So originally the website was like four or five years ago. I started this site called four hands drumming and it was originally myself, Mark Juliana and uh, Matt Johnson. And so Mm -hmm. we were like excited to do a thing with the three of us. And then Mark got a book thing and a video thing. So he's like, I got to go do that. So I said, okay, so maybe Matt and I will do it. Matt and I did it for a little while. Then Matt moved to LA and then I just kind of lost interest in doing it by myself. I was like, well, this was fun with like two other great players, but I don't want to just do this on my own. So I kind of left all the material up for a couple of years. And then when COVID hit, um, I was actually talking to Mike Johnston, who's a great educator and he's a buddy of mine. And he was like, man, you gotta, he's, he's like, you gotta update your site, man. It's like, it's just you now. Like you should, you should get, you have all the time in the world. Just do it. And I was like, Okay. Right. So I literally hung up the phone and was like, I'm going to sit in my studio for the next month and videotape 10 hours of new HD footage and completely redo the site. And now it's just cartermcclain.com. And nice. my, he called me when I launched it. He goes, dude, I talk to a lot of people and tell them that and nobody does it. He was like, I'm so stoked. <laughs> I hung up the phone with you and you were like, you did it. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad I did. I'm really proud of it. All the info on there is shot really well. It sounds great. I think... I tell people, I'm like, if you can make it through and play through all the ideas and stuff on that website, uh, I would consider hiring you to sub for me. You know, because it's just, it runs through everything. Recording, tuning, technique, ideas, phrasing, groove, like everything. And it's like, here's an hour and a half. If you don't know how to tune, here's an hour and a half, super in-depth on how I tune all my drums. Um, so yeah, it was fun and it was, it it was fun to put it all together in like a new package. And a lot of it was new stuff because I had done a book that did really well. So I incorporated the book ideas into it and broke that down. And, um, yeah, I'm proud of it. Uh, It looks, and it looks great, man. Uh, I gotta, I'm going to, I'm going to get it and dive into all the Yes, I love that. And then I'm going to call you and be like, I'm done (laughs) now. Send me your sub gigs. (laughs) All of them. Here's my number. My <laughs> my calendar is available. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. 
Get, tell, give me Charlie's number, Charlie Hunter's number. I'll call him yeah. first uh, and tell him that I graduated from the, the, the Carter McLean School of Drumming <laughs> and I'm available. Oh He'd get a kick um, out of that. He'd be like, great. He'd be like, come on down, man. I'll be like, whatever he charges, I'll do it for 20% less. Um, <laughs> um, and then, so, but then you put out how many albums this year? Uh, four. So I did a solo drum record. Then Charlie and I did two records together. And then I just did another record where I'm. It's almost like, a, it's almost like a hip hop record without the MC. It's like, uh, it's almost like a tribe called Quest meets DJ Shadow. Uh, so I was just playing grooves, and then I was playing string parts over it. I had these great uh, string samples from Spitfire Audio that sound incredible. Um, and I just went down a rabbit hole. And my, my point of that record was to do it in two weeks because people get so precious about every little thing's got to be perfect and everything's got to be this or that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just see what I can do in two weeks and put it out as just like an experiment. And to mm-hmm. me, it's, it's Which called one is uh, that? Move You. Move and you yeah. that to me yeah. is just like a fun record. I've like sent it to friends of mine. And they're like, dude, I would totally listen to this like at a party. Um. So nice. yeah, it was fun compositionally too, like coming up with string arrangements and stuff that triggered my brain into this next record I want to do, which is mostly going to be all strings and symphonic stuff. So awesome. I'm excited about that. So the, the other stuff that you do, I mean, the solo records, obviously you just did in your studio, all of the, the like the stuff that you did with Charlie and all that, was that yeah. just all remote? I mean, one yeah. of them was kind of like a sample record. You know, for people to kind of play along to. If you were stuck at home and you play keys or tenor or even guitar or whatever, you could play on top of these tunes we did. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we, I, I sent him like six or seven grooves that I played to a click and just kind of thought of them as like a song form. And then he sent me five or six, something like that, to a click. And we just swapped and we played on top of each other's tracks. Which is not easy with that style of music. It's one thing if you're playing pop and you're snapping into right. a grid, but but groove music, like when you're in the room, it may push, it may pull, it may speed up and slow down. So like if you're getting the stems and going to record on it, that's got to. Was it hard to follow? No, I mean not really. Just because we've played so much together, I kind of we know each other's feel pretty well. That makes sense. Um, and I think most of them were to a click, just to make it like a little less pressure, you know. Right. Right. Um, but I think maybe also a couple of them weren't. It was just like, oh, I played this beat. It felt good. Check it out. It's pretty, it's pretty close. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, like neither of us are like jumping 10 BPM at any moment. Got you yeah. know? It's, it's all within one or two clicks at the most. Got you. Um, and that was really fun just to like kind of feel like you're connecting a little bit. And that was early on in like, you know, probably May, you know. Mm-hmm. Were, um, was the record already planned before... Not really. No. We were supposed to do some gigs in my town uh, at this really cool brewery called Nod Hill that's like right down the street from me. And those got canceled, obviously. And he was like, well, man, let's just like play. Let's do a record remotely or something. And I was like, cool. Um, Might as well. We all have the time. Yeah. And like my teaching schedule totally ramped up because people were home more. Um, so that's been really fun. And just you know, working with companies like I did a lot of photo shoots and, and demos for Ludwig and Earthworks microphones and, uh, you know, just trying to stay interested and not just watch the news because that'll just <laughs> that's just like the massive beat down on a daily I can't basis. Do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, if it's important enough, I'll hear about it. 
Yeah, you'll see it somewhere else very quickly. Right, right. You know, I mean, what was crazy to me is like the government released all this stuff about UFOs and people were like, yeah, that's cool. Next. <laughs> right. And they were it's, like, we legitimately have no idea what this is. Right. Yeah. And it was like from the Navy. And I w- I've been joking this entire time while it's because everything's just so on so many fronts, just so intense and crazy. Like you look at these headlines, you're like, this cannot be real. Yeah. And I joke, I'm like, literally, a UF, a fleet of UFOs could land in Central Park right now. People would take some, like, TikToks with it and, like, move on with yeah. their day. <laughs> it's like nothing is shocking anymore, yep. you know? It's it's sad. I know. It's, it's, I never even thought about the... <laughs> The U- I mean, I watched the the video of those of the UFOs, but uh, yeah, dude, they're out there. I fully believe there's. Totally. I mean, I, I I officially believe I saw a UFO when I lived in Colorado because we were near NORAD out there, uh, and I, I don't know if it was something they were working on, but I saw this thing, and a friend of mine was sitting right next to me outside at a coffee shop, and we were looking at it. And I was like, "Do you see that?" He's like, "Yeah, I have no idea what that is." And it was moving around in the craziest way. It wasn't a balloon. It wasn't a plane. It was, everyone's like, oh, it's probably just a bird. I'm like, birds don't do that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, my point is, it's just crazy how uh, kind of numb I feel like uh, most of us are to just crazy things that are happening on a daily basis. I wonder if it's just the fact that we're inundated with so much information that it's like, we can't dwell on anything or let let anything really sink in because there's something that's that's coming right around the corner that we need to know about. Yeah, you're just one swipe away from your next favorite video for two seconds. Exactly. Sad. That's it. You know, people say, you know, you could show somebody a video and say, and th- let's say the person watching, it's like, this is the most life changing thing I've ever seen in my life. This is incredible. And they're truly blown away. And then they just swipe to the next thing. And it's yeah. like, it's gone. It's it's like, how do you compete with that? You can't. You know, and if you're like, okay, at what you do, good luck. You're not even in the running at that point. Yep. You know? Yeah. So scary stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about, talk to me about the, uh, you came out with a custom drumstick that took a while for it to, to come out. And then there was some, some stuff that happened with the website and stuff like that. Before we even get into that though, how do you design a custom drumstick? With sandpaper. Gotcha. Wood and sandpaper. Next. I mean, literally, the way this all started was like three years ago, I was uh, with a different stick company, and I had an idea because this stick was not on the market. And I said, would you guys be interested in in an idea I have? And the previous company responded and said, no. (laughs) And And literally, that was the entire conversation. I said, okay. Hung up. I called Promark. I talked to my good friend, Aaron, and I said, hey, man. Well, we're now good friends. I didn't know him. I introduced myself through mutual friends, said, hey, I have this idea. Uh, Would you guys be interested in working on this with me? And they were like, absolutely. We'd be stoked to have you over here. Let's go. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Just a normal conversation with adults, you know? (laughs) And so we started, I said, this is what I'm thinking. These are the dimensions. This is what I want. And so they're like, great, we're going to make some prototypes up. And they did. Like, Probably a month later, I got my first prototype, which is pretty incredible considering how fast that part went. Yeah. And I, so the first prototypes, I was like, all right, so this is not right. This needs to change. So I literally just started getting sandpaper out and changing the tip. 
what was the what was the initial conversation what what was not on the market that you wanted to develop well a lot of the sticks have the exact same tip it's either like a round ball tip or it's like an acorn tip right. for the most part right. like picture just like your standard 5a from every stick company and that's kind of every drumstick mm-hmm. really or you swap it out for like a ball tip and that's that's it and there's like some specialty signature sticks that are very different for that reason, because that artist wanted something different. And I kept looking at all these sticks. I mean, I'm looking above my studio right now, and I have a picture of Max and Elvin and Tony and Miles and whatever. Um, and I'm looking at their old sticks, and I'm like, all the tips were like a lot longer and more varied back then. Um, you know, and they were playing acoustic music, so they they weren't playing like two Bs. They were playing skinnier sticks. Right. But they all had these kind of like longer like arrow pointed tips on them. Not all of them, but a lot of the guys I liked were playing like that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, why don't we try to elongate this a little bit? So there's more of a point. So when I was shaving these down, I realized you can get two different sounds out of the ride cymbal. Um, Like if you play at a sharper angle, like the sticks almost like at a 40 degree angle off the cymbal, you get this darker kind of more woody sound. And then if you drop this parallel, where there's more wood touching the cymbal, you get a brighter, kind of more open cymbal sound, which I tried to get on any other stick, and you couldn't. It's just one sound. Right. So that was what got my brain kind of spinning about doing this. So it was basically like take an old jazz stick and beef it up a little bit to like in between a 5A and a 5B, so I could play Lion King with it, but then I could also take it and play really quiet and intricate with Charlie. I wanted mm-hmm. one stick. And before, I was using two different sticks. And that was kind of the goal. was like, this is the stick I could play a pop, heavy rock gig with, or I could play really quiet, intricate stuff with. Right. And it came out great. I was, we did four variations. The third variation was awesome, but it was so sharp that you could, like, literally stab somebody with it. <laughs> it was crazy. And they're like, even when they printed them up for me, they're like, dude, this is a little intense. These look like you're a, like a vampire killer. Like this, like, I don't think we could actually sell these. These are like weapons. And so I kind of like tapered it down a little bit. And I actually prefer the final result sonically better. Um, right. But, you know, they were awesome to work with, man. Everybody there was so cool. They were so patient. And it was supposed to really come out last year. But when COVID hit, they were like, all right, we got to push all this because this is just not, this is not the time to do this. Right. Um, so yeah, that just came out recently and it's been selling incredibly well. They're super happy about it. And I'm just happy people have an option, you know, like, Mm -hmm. well, maybe try a pair out and see if you dig them so far. I'd say 95% of the people that have used them are like blown away. And I get messages every day. Hey, this is my new favorite stick. I'm done. This is it. So, you know, from what you're describing, too, it kind of reminds me. Are you familiar with the old Capella sticks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff Hamilton had a really cool stick from them. Yeah, and so they made they they uh, they were based in New Jersey, and they made sticks for Elvin and Buddy Rich and all the, like they they were the company that made oh, all wow. those sticks for years. And then uh, they were actually, and then they supplied other drumstick companies like back in the day. Um, some of even the bigger brands, and then they went out of business. But they were they were like one of the larger drumstick manufacturers in the country. Yeah, I remember those sticks. I used to go to what was it Drummers World? 
before it closed in New York, and mm. they carried a ton of those. And I remember pulling them out and going like, oh, these are actually really different. Um, and I loved, yeah. I actually bought a few pairs of the Jeff Hamilton stick, but they were so, I have kind of bigger hands. They were so small feeling in my hands. I was like, man, I could not play like a heavy backbeat gig with these things. No way. Um, but that hmm. style and that kind of idea from a lot of the jazz guys, it's basically a similar idea. It's just beefed up a little bit for modern playing. So I don't think it's yeah. anything like revolutionary, but like, you know, it's definitely not something you can buy on the market before. So I'm just happy it's mm -hmm. available. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? I remember you were like, oh, the sticks are available. And then you were like, never mind, they're not available. No. So they launched the, the it was up on the website and like a ton of, because people have been waiting for this thing for three years. So like, mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of messages I got about this stick over the last three years was just like insane. Um. And Promark said the same thing. They said at their, one of their meetings, it was one. Of, it was the number one topic brought up, and that's over strings, drum heads, uh, all of their products. That was the number one thing they got emailed about. Really? Yeah, they said the demand was like insane. Um, and so that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I was like, well, great, let's go, let's put this thing out. Now. <laughs> right, right. And uh, you know, but it's also with a big company. There's so much stuff that goes behind it that people don't realize that, like, you know, it just takes a minute. So I was like, I just kept telling people, look, be patient. It's going to come out when it's going to come out. It will come out. Just be patient, you know. Mm -hmm. And so they, it was up on the website. I didn't even know it was on the website. People were like, man, sticks out. Congratulations. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I, I made an announcement, just like a casual, hey, sticks available, go to the you know promark.com or Diodario's site or whatever. And I think when they put it in, they didn't realize how many people were going to order out of the gate. So they didn't have like thousands of pairs of sticks in stock because they like literally had just posted it. And within, I think, 40 minutes, it was sold out. <laughs> and they were like, uh-oh, I guess we need to up the stock. Um, so it was always on the website. It just said out of stock within like an hour, Got you. which I thought was kind of cool. I was like, well, see, well, told you. Yeah. Get some more. And now they just, I think they dumped in like another 3000 pair or something. Oh, nice. So nice. it's available. And now they realize the demand, they're going to have a lot of those cut and just ready to roll at any given moment. And like, you can get mm -hmm. it. At, you know, like Memphis Drum Shop, Drum Center of Portsmouth, like even I think like Musician's Friend and Sweetwater, like all these bigger like companies are carrying it. That's pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's kind of bizarre to go on like, you know, Musician's Friend and be like, oh, there's my stick. That's cool. Yeah. Or walk into a store and pull it off the rack. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's cool. cool. I mean, I'm really proud of it. And honestly, like working with... Promark and Evans has been really, really cool. And like, mm -hmm. to me, that's a really important thing to have a relationship with the companies you're with. Otherwise I wouldn't be with them, you know? Yeah. No, no, no. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I mean, there's, and now I, I think the, I think times have changed than they were, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years. Like, I feel like everyone makes great products now. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. And, the technology for manufacturing is like crazy now. Right. And so it comes down to, okay, who, who do you want to work with? Yeah. And that was the biggest thing. Like yeah. who was willing to like actually listen to me finish a sentence. You know what I mean? Right. It was just like, okay, cool. You guys seem good. And honestly, they sent me before I signed anything with Promark, I said, why don't you send me like a bunch of different sticks to try out? Cause I wanted to see the durability and the quality and how close in pitch they were and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
my friend Aaron was like, just so you know, man, our tolerances are like insanely tight. So just get ready to like have your mind blown. And I'm like, okay. And you know, people, people like to talk. And so I got the gram scale out and started weighing everything. And every <laughs> pair was in like one within like one gram, which was really? insane. Um, and the first pair I used at Lion King lasted over a month, which is really incredible. So that's uh, 32 shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot. So I've been really blown away by their quality and just I couldn't be happier with those guys. Nice. Well, that's good, man. And I'm glad the stick is finally out and oh, uh, it's available. And, and I know that, like you said, the demand was high for it. So yeah. That's so good. now I can just direct them. Oh, you want the stick? Go to their website. Enjoy. There you go. You know, uh, and I think it's on your website too. Yeah, right? I just put up a link. Uh, like I have a store where all of my CDs and stuff are, and I just I just put a link there, and it just directs you to the Diodario site. Right. Um, but you know, it's just I, I just want people to. It's I want it to be so easy that they just click and go. Oh, there it is. Order done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yep. just make it yep. easy for people. I like it. So one more piece of exciting news is that you are you have you're working maybe on a new trio with someone possibly that is it on my calendar. <laughs> it's gotten moved once because this gentleman is quite busy in New York. But yeah, this uh, great guitar player named Oz Noy reached out to me. I don't know three weeks ago or something, and was like, "Hey man, let's get together and play." And I was like, "Cool." I mean, we had hung out a few times before, but you know. We had never played together, and I've seen him play a bunch, right. and I know, I know who he plays with. You know, he plays with my good friend Wolf. He plays with Weckl. He plays with Carlock. He plays with Vinny. They're mm-hmm. all up and coming guys, but you know, they're very good. Right? They're very good. I think they'll make a name yeah, for themselves. They're very good. I th- I'm sure they have Instagram accounts. They're going to do great. <laughs> um, but you know, when when you check out these tunes, I'm like looking at the credits, and it's like Vinny. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Vinny. And then it's like, this one's Weckl. Okay, that sounds like what? And it's like, you know, no pressure. But yeah, he's uh, apparently coming out here next week uh, with a, a bass player that I've never played with. Uh, it's Chulio Greenwood, I think, is his last name. And Oz says he's incredible. So I, I'm just, A, happy to play with some human beings for the first time in a year and a half. And B, I've always been a fan of what Oz does. He's incredible. So I'm just, they're coming out to my studio and we'll all have been vaccinated by that point. Um, So I'm still going to wear a mask and, you know, the studio is big enough. Everybody can kind of be in their corner with their gear and it'll be fun. So Mm -hmm. um, he was talking about possibly doing some gigs at the bitter end, which is opening up. Um, You know, honestly, like, man, let's just go play a gig. You know what I mean? Like, uh, let, somewhere let's just anywhere groove and like make some music i can't wait so like that'll it. be fun i'm really excited to play with him nice well once uh i'm actually i'm on the east coast now for a little while but um, oh, come down man if you want to come down let me know and... yeah i mean if there's some you know if there's some gigs happening yeah. let me know for sure definitely well my man i'm gonna uh let you go because i've taken up a lot of your no, time it's been already, a pleasure so. man it's always fun talking with you Likewise. And uh, for anyone who wants to check out any of the records, they can go to CarterMcLean.com. They can go to Diodario's site to find the pro or, you know, Promark's site to find the, uh, the drumsticks. And hopefully we'll be seeing some gigs with you and Oz very soon. And what else you got? 
Just teaching a lot, man, which has been nice, you know, yeah. teaching. I've been doing, actually, I've been doing some really cool recordings. A, a, a guy who I was obsessed with his band in the early 90s reached out to me, and he's actually a drummer and a lead singer uh, to do some work for a Disney movie next year. So I just recorded some stuff with That's him. Awesome. and. Honestly, I didn't even really care about the Disney part of it. I was just like so psyched that this guy reached out to me. Um, so that was really fun. And just been recording for different people, which has been nice, you know. Nice. The studio looks amazing, so oh, and it sounds thanks, great. Man. So, uh yeah. So, that's it's a it was a good investment, I take it. Yeah, it's definitely paid itself off a lot. So, that's uh, nice. that's good. And you know, just trying to do my best. It's like every day I just try to do something good, you know? Yep. I agree, man. Well, I appreciate everything that you do and everything that you put out into the world and, and always leading with authenticity and just, just being you and people like it because like I said, it, because it is authentic and is, it is just you and you're not trying to be someone you're not. So I think that goes, that goes a long way. And, uh, I always appreciate you coming on and chatting drums and life and all that stuff. So thank you, my man. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course, anytime. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Cheers. There you have it. The one, the only Mr. Carter McLean. You can check him out by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 614 or check his website out, cartermcclain.com. And if you haven't already, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. It takes about a minute and lets people know that this is a good podcast that they should be listening to. I would also appreciate it because I love reading through all of those reviews, whether they're good or bad. So if you got something bad to say, let me know. <laughs> I don't I don't mind. Uh, that's the way that we all get better. So also, if you're not already, check out Drummer's Resource on Instagram and uh, Facebook and all that fun stuff. So all the interwebs, I'm sure you've checked that out before. I'm sure you've heard of it. I think it's going to be big. I think the inter- this internet thing is going to be... Uh, anyway, I think it's going to be big. I'm rambling. Other than that, that's all I got. Keep drumming. And until the next podcast, uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.